Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think it's, it's a messed up story. It's messy on all sides, oh, but I find it out. so interesting. That is also a little bit fucked up. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly deep dive on the internet and internet culture and technology and other very, very cool stuff. Uh, my name is Elliot. I am a YouTuber, if you haven't met me already. And I'm here with my sister, Grace. Hello. And uh, today we're going to be diving into three main topics, actually, all three of which I find very, very interesting, as I normally do, because I pick the topics with Grace, so we get to pick <laughs> stuff we're interested in. Um, Imagine you're like, I actually hate <laughs> talking about this topic. right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but topic number one, uh, we're going to be talking about um, the Epic versus Apple lawsuit, because that's actually started, the court proceedings for that have now started as of this week. So you kind of, everyone's presented their opening arguments. Um, then we're also going to be talking about the Jeff Wittick, David Dobrik drama, because would it be a Watch Time podcast if David Dobrik didn't make an appearance somehow? The but answer's no. actually very interesting, uh, kind of what's happening there and very keen to get uh, Grace's thoughts on, on the whole proceedings. And then finally, a topic that I think has been heavily requested, and I feel like the whole community is talking about nonstop at the moment, which is uh, girls sitting in hot tubs on live streams and apparently that being the big new twitch genre thing, genre stuff it's happening it's big and it's very controversial but uh yeah king things off epic versus apple grace Update have you me. have you been keeping up to date you haven't i've been a little bit off the internet this week um for a few reasons but i basically haven't been keeping super up to date so please inform me with the rest of our audience. Well, there's actually, there's not a crazy amount to really talk about yet. I mean, the coolest part about all the Epic, uh, Epic versus Apple lawsuit for someone like me who plays a lot of Fortnite is that um, they basically, both companies have gone and they've put together, you know, huge documents with all the evidence and things they're going to cite as part of the case, you know, mm -hmm. discovery. And, um, and they've put those documents out publicly. So, Epic, as part of that, has given crazy insight into like the back end development of Fortnite and oh. like all these things we didn't like, but nothing bad, but just like, like really what? interesting stuff. Oh, like the skins that they were developing and then didn't release. The fact that oh. um, like Fortnite Crew, which is their like subscription monthly model, like different ways they were thinking about structuring that to incentivize people to subscribe. Like initially, you were going to get a skin that leveled up for each successive month that you were a member. Um, so, you know, kind of rewarding people going long-term and then like different concepts they had for seasons, but no, it's just been very generally interesting. I think for a lot of Fortnite people, because we've all of a sudden basically just got access to a bunch of like secret Fortnite documents. What do you think? Like as a very big Fortnite creator, as someone whose life has surrounded this game, like, has there been anything that you've read where you're like, oh, I wish they'd done that. Or that's really interesting that they were thinking about that because it's very like 
not what the game feels like now? Um, they haven't. I mean, honestly, pretty much every document they put out was basically just kind of like a beta version of what they ended up doing. Mm-hmm. So there were slight tweaks and there were some things like, oh, that looked cool that they ended up going with. But by and large, it's all pretty much what we've got. And I'm one of the people who everyone, everyone these days complains like, oh, you know, Epic's killing Fortnite because they're doing this and this and they need to do this. I just think Fortnite's, you know, slowly losing traction because the game is now three and a half years old. Like yeah. That happens when games get old. I think Epic's doing a great job with updates. God, I'm an epic simp. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the update though with the with the actual case. So what happened was basically Epic's trying to what what the entire case comes down to basically is Epic needs to try and show that the Apple ecosystem counts as like a market, like a whole market yeah. in itself. Same way that say like, you know, the soft drink market is a market or, you know, any any yeah. product has its own market. They need to try and prove that Apple's influence and their size is so big that that kind of ecosystem of Apple consists as its own market, in mm-hmm. which case Apple can't- As opposed to just an individual player within a yeah. market. Yeah, exactly. In which case then Apple wouldn't be able to restrict people from competing in that space. So- Epic's basically trying to paint this picture where I think they're they're using a metaphor of a walled garden. And the idea is they have this, you know, beautiful garden, which is the Apple ecosystem. And they draw people in with everything that's like looking pretty and shiny and it all looks great. And then as soon as, and they, you know, lure developers in and they lure customers in. And then as soon as you're in the Apple ecosystem, they start putting brick by brick by brick to wall you in. To the garden so you can't leave and that's their argument for trying to prove that it is kind of its own entire market because once people are in poetic. the apple ecosystem they can't leave which if you think about it in a lot of ways is true if you were to go out and say um you know say you've got a samsung tv and you're mm-hmm. like oh i'm gonna go get an L- i want a new tv i'm gonna get an lg tv you're not like oh can't swap from Samsung to LG TV. Like it's a completely different TV. That would be so much effort. But if you look at everything around like Apple and Android and all the different phone software, everything with like all the Apple ecosystem logins and the fact yeah. that, for example, a lot of products like um, like AirPod Pros, how they only really work and integrate properly with Apple products. So yep. if you bought peripherals, it's not as simple to be like, oh, I'm just going to try Samsung for a year. It's like, yeah. no, I'm in the Apple ecosystem. So that's basically what- I am fully in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, fully, fully. I've got my Mac. I've got my iPod. My what? I don't yep. have an iPod anymore. <laughs> I've got I've got my phone. I've got my AirPods. I'm, I'm like fully in and yeah. I love it. But, yeah, but, but I am fully in. Exactly. And that's what Epic's trying to show is that like once you're in the Apple ecosystem, you can't leave. And because of that, they need to allow competition. Is that not just like building a great business though, where you're providing people like a lot of vertical integration? Yeah, but the cases like this have happened before. So actually Microsoft got um, sued by the US government like 20 years ago oh. because they found that Microsoft was like, excessively forcing people once they downloaded once they had the Microsoft operating system to like use Microsoft products like Internet Explorer and their own like search engine and that kind of thing and that case is actually seen as one of the big things that let Google grow because it basically Microsoft had to let companies like Google in and let them compete right with Chrome Um, and products like that yeah Uh, I'm fascinated on this how long is this going to take I'm guessing 
month or two. I'm, I'm guessing. I actually don't know. But I think one of the more interesting things in terms of hard numbers that came out is Epic had, uh, I mean, obviously the expert that each side pulls up is going to be biased. But Epic basically had someone go through the numbers because Epic had to, sh- sorry, Apple had to share their kind of revenue numbers and expense numbers around, um, you know, how the company operates, publicly traded, and calculated that Apple has almost an 80% profit margin on their app store operations. That's and a then, nice profit margin. Yeah, and was basically being like, you guys have an 80% profit margin and you're saying that you need to keep charging this amount to make it a viable kind of part of your company oh. and apple's come back and they're like oh nah you, you got to look at it in terms of the whole ecosystem man like there's a lot of other stuff going on like those numbers Epic's like aren't so it's fair. a whole ecosystem is it yeah literally <laughs> literally um so so yeah actually very very interesting uh how that case is going but that's kind of where it's at right now basically apple's retort and obviously they're making this point a lot more aggressively is epic saying you're uh, you're your own market, you're a walled garden. Apple is just being like, nah. Like mm. that's, you know, effectively the argument. That's what it is. A- Apple, Epic saying you're this, Apple's saying they're not. And the back and forth is going to continue until um, the, the, so there's a singular judge in this case that uh, basically specializes in this kind of um, dispute and listens to the arguments and then rules on the case. Right. So there's no jury or anything like that. So we're going to have to wait and see what the judge thinks. I love that it's like specializes in this kind of dispute as though like Apple and Epic are going to court every day. Yeah. I'm excited to see. I want to, I, I mean, I hope they film it, but I'm excited to see the, the Tims go head to head. We've got Tim Sweeney and Tim Cook. And I'm excited to see them go, Elliot, are you okay? I'm okay. Sorry. It was caught Bro, under there. Elliot is... Elliot is not in a good spot right now. It was now. cutting into your screen. You can see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see the Tims go head to head. I hope they film it. Yeah, absolutely. Tim Sweeney, Tim Cook. We but- know who Elliot loves. Uh, we love you, Sweeney. I'm a big Sweeney stan. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much where the Epic vs. Apple case is at. Now we're going to move on to topic number two, which uh, I think we're going to probably be relatively brief on because you know that we do normally like to rant and ramble about David Dobrik on, on both sides. I feel like we both simultaneously are people who obviously love and uh, appreciate David Dobrik's content, yet also have um, kind of acknowledged the shortcomings uh, that can come from it recently. I mean... A lot of people give us crap for talking too much about David Dobrik, but I do think he's a really, really interesting and unique example of a creator and the kind of things that creators are facing. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's it's not so much David Dobrik as an individual, but more like you see a lot of recurring themes in terms of yeah. when, when we talk about something that happened with David Dobrik or what he's doing or a problem that arose from the type of content they make, you'll see that echoed in a lot of other content, like similar, Mm. very similar, like what happened with Logan Paul, for example. Um, But basically, if you're not up to date with David Dobrik, what's happened is obviously a couple of months ago now, there was a huge amount of drama where there were accusations being thrown around of sexual assault that occurred because of situations that he created for his videos and basically not looking after the well-being of people in his videos because he was too focused on getting entertainment and a Mm -hmm. shot. Um, he since came out, uh, did one bad apology and then a good apology. And that kind of seemed to have moved on, but he's taken a break from the internet though. Yeah, taking a break from the internet, but he hasn't posted anything in months. When it rains, it does pour. And, uh, there is now the, the Jeff Wittick documentary 
kind of docu-series, YouTube version of a documentary. It's very well made. Um, that has now come out uh, basically telling the story of, and there's been rumors of this going around for months now, that Jeff Wittick basically got seriously injured filming something for David. Uh, and he's now put out a huge docuseries about what happened, how the injury happened, and his very slow, long recovery process. Because Jeff was in the vlog squad and was like a pretty key member of it for I think he still a is. number of months. Yeah. Well, so this was the interesting thing, um, is that in this docuseries, uh, Jeff has clearly uh, got, um, you know, kind of like everyone involved in it. And shockingly, you would think normally if if something like bad happened that reflects on you in a bad light, like this does for David, you might probably try and distance yourself from it and stay away. But I think clearly, and, you know, this is probably largely because of what uh, David did. He doesn't really have the option of saying no. Mm. Um, Jeff was like, I want to make this series and I want, you know, everyone to be in it. So David, I, I get the sense, feels an obligation to participate, even though he must find it incredibly uncomfortable and also um, having, and also doing this immediately right after you've just got over one Wait, other so piece David's of drama. David's in the series? David's in the series fully. Whoa. So to, to go back and tell the story, basically what happened was obviously about a year ago, David took a very, very big break around, you know, obviously when COVID happened, um, and apparently over that time, he was planning a really, really big comeback video. And in this comeback video, he wanted ever, he wanted it to just be insane. Like the craziest stunts you've ever seen. Wanted it to be like people, uh, you know, kind of um, like literally people from his vlog squad, ordinary people, uh, like a plane would be flying along and everyone would go sliding out the back of the plane, riding pool toys and then parachute down to the ground. Like that kind of insanity. <laughs> Um, so over the past few months, like members of the vlog squad were going and literally getting their solo skydiving license so that they could do this one shot. Very interestingly, David was not. He was asking other people to go and get their solo skydiving license, but he wasn't going to get his. Um, you couldn't pay me to do that. I think you could pay me to do that, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> to jump out of a plane on a blow up pool toy. Well, I mean, if you got a parachute on, like, you know, like that's, that's absolutely kind of not. Point. That's a hard no from me. But 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 that's exactly the thing, but I find it interesting that obviously the vlog squad they all do crazy things mm -hmm. and I think it's it's one thing to go to your friends but like, guys I want to do a crazy comeback video um and they're like okay cool yeah we're down for it. But I think asking your friends to do something dangerous that you yourself are not willing to do, I don't know. I think that's a little bit weird. And I, if I were the friends I'd be like all right. But long story short, another part of this video uh was a scene that David wanted to get where there was going to be an excavator kind of uh, that was basically parked in very shallow water. And they effectively um, tied a rope to the end of the excavator and that had a little like foothold where you could put your foot through it. Yeah. And then they would spin the excavator around in circles and circles and circles. And you would obviously think about it like uh, like those things you see at a fair with the chairs that yeah. spin around. As the excavator spins, the person on the rope is like flying around the excavator in circles. Now, that sounds in sounds a little bit dangerous. You would think, um, and you know what? The, I I can't but like it. Actually, is like a shocking level of negligence in hindsight. Like, don't get me wrong. You can do dangerous stunts in YouTube videos. Not a question about it. You can do if you can do them in movies. You can do them anywhere. But that's pretty need, fucking dangerous. Yeah, but you should have experts there who can make sure it's safe. Can tell you this is okay. This isn't okay. And if that stunt in particular just isn't okay. They can say, hey, bro, this is way too dangerous. Don't do it. He didn't even have experts there? No. 
No, it was literally they just got an excavator and they, they were like, I know basic physics. If you spin this, it'll spin. Um, anyway, so uh, basically first Corinna gets on the rope and starts spinning around and David starts going a little bit fast and Corinna is clearly like, holy far out, this is not safe. And is like, and you can tell she gets like audibly irritated at David and she's like, and, and like, is like, put me down. And then as she gets off, she's like, you always take things too far. Anyway, Jeff gets on, David starts spinning around because uh, David's driving the excavator. That's key. Um, and he's spinning around and getting really, really good shots. And then he's like, oh, you know, I guess it'd be cool to go a little bit faster. Starts spinning the excavator faster. All of a sudden, Jeff is like, the rope is obviously flying hugely out at this stage. Jeff's going incredibly fast. Oh, and, my God. And then David's like, oh, crap. Okay, this is maybe going a little bit too quick. So he just stops the excavator. So it just completely stops swimming, uh, swinging. And you can probably do the physics of that in your brain when yeah. the anchor oh. point for that rope is suddenly at a still, but he on the end of that rope is continuing that momentum. He suddenly goes swinging around and slams right into the side of the excavator and basically smashes oh one God. side of his head in. Oh my God. Um, and basically had a lot of damage to an eye. And basically since then, it's been months of recovery, had to get like plates in his head, um, has to, and, and is basically getting eye readjustment surgery on one of his eyes to try and move it into where it should be. Um, and I believe he's also partially blind in that eye now. So how, how could he be so crazy level of negligence, insanity, but it does go back to that thing that we always talk about where people are filming content. And they're just like, Dude, I want to go crazy. that's next level that's, though. That is, but like, is it any more next level than Logan Paul staring at uh, um, at the body in the Japanese forest and being like, and being like, yep, this is fine. Like, this is content. Like, it, it's like, it, there is just this weird phenomenon around vlogs where you just want to push and push and push and push and push. And you eventually just f- like, it's like you disconnect from reality. Logan Paul in Japan, David Dobrik when he didn't think about, you know, like getting an, an underage person drunk for the entertainment of a vlog and David Dobrik when it comes to swinging someone around real fast in an excavator. Now, don't get me wrong. There was no malice in what he did. Like it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm going to definitely try and hurt someone, but it's just- You don't need malice. A level of ignorance. Yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting any of these YouTubers have malice. I, I just think it is shocking- like shocking that, you know, there's more to David's vlogs than David, that like David could think that's a good idea and that he could have multiple people around him that are like, yeah, sure, why not? Like that's scary. Like it's scary that it could get to that level. He could have killed him. And also David was too, uh, like, you know, scared, uncomfortable to even get a solo skydiving license, but he was willing to put his friends in a position of not only getting a solo skydiving license, but also swing them around an excavator without really. So thinking a lot about his own safety, but not necessarily as much about his friends. And don't get me wrong. I still, I'm not saying and, that David's and a bad when guy. Was this this but, is really interesting because this was filmed months and months ago, right? And nothing ever came out about it at the time. No, but I do think that Jeff probably planned this video pretty early on and that but that's what i think is so interesting right is because you can just you can planning for your next trip 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tell, and, and I, because I think when you're someone like David, right, when you have that level of influence, that level of power, and that level of, um, you know, like you're the big dog of the group, you never have to feel bad or grovel or apologize or, you know, you're kind of always up here. So suddenly he was put in a position where his actions directly from piloting it and his whole concept idea ended up horrifically injuring one of his friends where all of a sudden he's in a position where no, 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 absolutely. Whatever this guy whatever Jeff says, like goes, if Jeff says, I want to film a video about what happened and about my recovery, you as David have to say, yes, yes, sir. Of course, sir. Like, and he says, and I want you to be in it. And I want you to like talk about your perspective and in it, I'm also going to be calling you an idiot at the same time. And he's like, yes, because you just can't say no. If you've done that to someone and they're your friend, you, no matter what they want, you have to, you have to go with. But I just found it so, so interesting. Number one, I think it's just another crazy example of uh, that kind of vlog content just going too far and people losing perspective. But then also I just find it uh, low-key a little bit funny that that Jeff was able to get David to basically uh, be a part of a docuseries that incriminates, literally does incriminate David because that is a criminal level of negligence, whether or not Jeff actually decides to pursue it, which I don't think he is. I mean, Um, I think you have to, it's like, yeah, you can see the irony in the fact that the reason he got injured was for content and now he's able to probably make an incredibly successful piece of content yeah. out of that. And it's and But also make make your lemonade out of lemons. And uh and I thought the other very, very funny part was you can tell like Jeff is like he's he's it's not that he's not friends with David anymore. I think he does want it to be okay, but you can tell he is very angry about what happened. Yeah. And that he was put in that situation. Granted, you know, he jumped on the rope, but it, David absolutely took it too far. And I think at a certain point, there's that literally like we've like we've talked about in other videos, that like need to participate. You need to satisfy the group dynamic. You don't want to be the guy who says no. Mm. Um, but in this docuseries, he's like, uh, hey, David, remember how you were too scared to uh, get your solo skydiving license because it would put your life in danger? Yeah, you're getting your solo skydiving license. And he makes him go do it. And on David's first solo jump, his shoot didn't uh, apparently come out totally correctly like it did within like a few seconds it it kind of corrected itself but when he got down David was like David was like oh my god like I actually thought I was gonna die and Jeff is just like talking to the camera later and he's like yeah yeah David thinking for a moment that he was gonna die actually made me really really happy like just wanting him to experience the same thing that he put him through Anyway, I think it's, it's a messed up story. It's messy on all sides, oh, but I find it out. so interesting. That is also a little bit fucked up. Yeah. And I mean, I think it makes you realize that like a lot of people would have seen the vlog squad last year and been like, that's goals. Like, that's what I want to be yeah. part of. Like, True how good would that be? Like, they're genuinely friends. And I feel like that was always the selling point of the vlog squad. It was like, it's really genuine and like, 
it's not contrived and we love each other and it's all natural and we'd be doing this anyway, we're just filming it. And I think, you know, it's an insight into what lays mm. behind the curtain. 100%. Uh, and then our final topic of today is going to be Twitch hot tub live streams. Hot tub live streams. So <sighs> explain this concept to me, please. So not all, but a large percentage of the audience that consumes Twitch are horny teenage boys. Okay, that's a not, generalization, not, not but we'll... But they are a section of the audience that is not unsubstantial. You know what? They're just boys. Let's the, just say The demographic that. primarily is men, and that's objective. And there is a thing in life where... Uh, so basically, ever since, ever since Twitch has existed, basically, the whole time, there's always been this very um, weird kind of back and forward where obviously like it, girls who will wear skimpier clothing naturally will see a more rapid uptick in viewership. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say that's building like a long-term healthy community necessarily, but like, uh, but a lot of people, but it's, you know, just, it's a thing. If you yeah. wear skimpier clothing, you're going to see a rapid uptick in views more than you would otherwise. That's just a fact. Okay. Um, so then it got to a point where girls were just effectively wearing lingerie on stream and giant push-up bras and it was getting a bit ridiculous. So Twitch was like, you can't do that. This is like a new acceptable level of clothing. You need to uh, be wearing clothes up to, you know, this area. This is generally what we consider yeah. acceptable. There's, we will there's literally it. a mod. There's like a model. Yeah. On the Temporary bands if you don't cover up enough. But then people were like, okay, but like IRL streams are huge. And Twitch was like, yes. And they're like, so what if we go to the beach? We're just swimming at the beach. Like what? We have to swim in jeans and a sweater if we go to the beach? And Twitch is like, mm, fair point. Okay, you have to wear clothes up to that amount unless you're in a contextual environment where that clothing is necessary. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where the hot tub genius was born. Someone goes, well, I guess if I'm in a hot tub, I... Uh, can wear whatever I want. I'm in a contextually appropriate so, environment. <laughs> literally, it has now sprung up this huge spread of live streams where, and don't get me wrong, and, and no, no, no. People are not actually in hot tubs. People are setting up kiddie pools in their room where they would normally record their stream and sitting in the kiddie pool in a very skimpy bikini. Oh. And then they will make sure they have their the, the big dono board facing like on the other wall that the camera's on so that when they turn around to write on the dono board, as you can understand. Um, But this is really spread for everything. So it's got- Do you know, like mm, the internet is so creative. It's so creative. Give the the internet some rules and they'll figure out a way to make it work. Exactly. But but it's even spread beyond that. So now it'll be like uh, people doing poolside yoga where they're literally uh, effectively wearing- lingerie uh next to a pool but it's kind of like you know like there's like bikini lingerie it's yeah. kind of like a weird like some some lingerie brands do stuff that's also bikinis okay. anyway they're wearing that uh like with a little yoga mat next to a pool and they're like ah yes just going to do my pilates and bend over and uh yeah it's so uh, how is twitch dealing with this they're not at all um they literally uh, they put out some, or they put out some. Oh my god, it was such a, it was, it was a video that got a lot of community bash lack, ba- bash lack, mm-hmm. backlash, where they were basically like, 
Um, if you don't like a certain type of content, what you can do is you can right click it and you can say, don't show me this content anymore. And that will help our algorithm learn. And people are just like, you Bruh. don't understand. But it's actually super interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I'm coming down either way on this argument. Because on one yeah. hand, you've got people being like, for obvious reasons, this is just like, what are you doing, Twitch? Like, you can't let this content be there. Which actually is, you know, beyond whatever you think about principle, there are several sound arguments for it. Number one being, um, which, which I actually thought was a fair argument, which was there is a huge young audience on Twitch. Yeah. This is a readily accessible thing uh, that a lot of younger people can find and be exposed to instantly. Yeah. And also, um, I, I, it was actually a female streamer that tweeted this. Um, her point where she was like, I think girls should be able to do whatever they want with their body, but my concern here is that when you normalize this level of sexual behavior, when that becomes the norm, because Twitch is supposed to be people just going about their lives, playing video games, chatting with stream, like it's supposed to be like normal to a point, like mm -hmm. people just being their genuine selves. So when you establish that kind of behavior as baseline normal, that then means it builds in people's mind the idea of what sexual content is as like way more extreme. And that mm -hmm. she was like, is gonna lead to a way more extreme dip in these young people's minds. The other big point, which is just generally for like all creators out there, that is a fair thing to be concerned about. When PewDiePie, when there was the first adpocalypse triggered by PewDiePie, advertisers uh, got the idea that Twitch is, uh, sorry, that YouTube is a platform wasn't a safe place for their ads to be. Yeah. So all of a sudden they pulled ad spend from the platform huge crackdown creators all across the world were hit really hard. Like some people literally had to stop doing YouTube because they couldn't afford to anymore because the ad rates were so low. So there is a genuine concern that when advertisers are like, Oh, we should advertise on Twitch. They go, they look at Twitch, open it up and they just see a bunch of uh, girls in bikinis sitting in kiddie pools in their um, lounge room. That's that so valid. It could lead to basically a Twitch adpocalypse, which yeah. I think is a totally fair argument. But then there is the argument that, you know, so often girls are sexualized by other people just for like, you know, they're like men will be like, you know, will sexualize the girl's body without yep. them kind of being engaged in it. So them taking kind of charge and control of that and actually profiting from it is fair enough. But I don't know. I was very interested. I've been thinking about it for a while now and I don't even know where I come down on the topic. So I was interested to get your thoughts. It's hard because I see both sides of the coin and in some ways I'm like yeah you know what it's a it's a user generated content platform like the whole reason that people go on there is to see content that is generated by users and not content that has been overly filtered or produced by I don't know a tv station or a production company or whatever like people love the rawness of it and if people are doing something that is you know, satisfying something that people are wanting to watch, then to what role does the platform have to, you know, moderate that and think about what's appropriate or not appropriate? Like you don't, you know, you don't want to impede onto like free speech stuff or like Twitch becoming this behemoth of a platform that's allowed to say what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. I but at the same time- there There is a hard- yeah, I at the same time, I, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, I I do think it's important that platforms like Twitch and YouTube don't have sexual content on there. And, 
you know, there are platforms you can go to if you want sexual content, but I think it's important that if Twitch and YouTube are advertising that these platforms are safe for children, then it's important that the content on the platforms re- is safe for children mm. and is safe for advertisers because whether you like it or not as a viewer or as a creator, advertisers are what keep platforms going. Like they are the third key component in that relationship Mm. and it's really, really important both from an audience perspective and a creative perspective that there are advertisers on the platform. I think it's tough because, you know, these platforms have to have rules, like they have to have a guideline that you can read and it makes sense and, you know, whatever and it's hard to make a rule where ultimately there's going to be some human judgment as to whether or not something Mm. is sexual content or not. But I think if if the content truly is, you know, there for the purposes of being sexual in nature, I, I think Twitch is, shouldn't be the place for it. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Twitch, it seems to be kind of like a running trend with Twitch at this stage where they, they are just endlessly, endlessly plagued with problems around rule enforcement and and not only the way they define rules and rules they put in, but also like how they choose to apply them. Like I think there was, there was something where there was a Twitch streamer who played a clip of someone in a video game calling him a racist word Mm. for being Asian. And he was banned because that someone calling him something racist was on his stream. And there's just certain things where you're like, you know, and, and obviously they've got a headline rule, no hate speech on live streams cool, understandable, contextually ridiculous. Mm. Like, and, uh, and, and that's the thing, but, but then, yeah. So it's weird because on one hand you want rules to be objective. You want them to just be like, this is right. This is wrong. And it's pretty much clear cut, you know, like stealing bad. Don't do it. If you do steal, you've done something wrong. If you don't steal, you're fine. Like rules in society work that way, but well, a lot of rules, but with something like live streaming and Twitch, they you're right, they do have to kind of create these more, especially around dress, like what acceptable dress is defined mm. as. So hard. And there's always going to be so someone- So hard and even harder in 2021 when, when public perception of what acceptable dress is has changed so much yeah. as well. And I think we had a conversation about like something similar almost a year ago with TikTok. We were talking about the sexualization of content on TikTok and- how do you how do you monitor that? And I think even like I think all platforms deal with this. The world is also becoming a more sexual place. I feel like sexual content's becoming way more like socially acceptable now and not something that's like hidden as much. I mean, like only we live in an OnlyFans culture. Mm. Like I don't know. I don't I, I I don't have the answer. And maybe that's why Twitch has been slow to act on this because they're trying to come up with an answer that works and that's going to work for the future and not just be a band-aid reaction. Do you remember when people would like when, when Tinder was taboo? Dude. I remember when Tinder was like super taboo and it would be like, and if you met anyone on Tinder, if you're like, oh yeah, like we met on Tinder, you never say that. You'd have to come up with an elaborate back, backstory as to how you actually met. These days I reckon 60, 70% of people who I'm like, they're in a relationship. I'm like, oh, do you mean like Tinder? Like, yeah. oh, okay. Like you're right. Like the the perception is changing so rapidly. I think, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think ultimately I don't think you want to, 
uh, give the impression that you're not kind of like, you know, your body do what you want with it. But I also at the same time do think that there needs to be some level of, um, and I actually think on this, on this one topic, to be honest, it's kind of like, it's, and it's so hard because I, I hate uneven rule enforcement. And I think that's one of my biggest um, dislikes of Twitch is I'll see, you see one person get banned. Yeah. For inconsistent rule enforcement. Um, and you'll see some people get banned for a month and other people get away scot-free. Um, and I, th- but, but the weird thing is I don't know how you could enforce like an appropriate dress rule without a level of discretion, like individual discretion, having actual humans go into streams and say, okay, no, you are trying overtly to sexualize your stream here. That is its driving purpose. And therefore that's unacceptable Yeah. versus, Hey, I went to the beach, Yeah. you know, and I happen to be in a bikini, but I'm not like making that the whole folk. I, it's, it's such I a would tough genuinely topic. love, like if you're watching this on YouTube or listening on Apple, like please leave us a comment and tell us what you think. Cause I, I, I genuinely like, and I'm happy to be, told I'm wrong mm. or I'm happy I to be actually, proven wrong. I would love to like hear more opinions. Yeah. I, I don't think there are necessarily wrong answers yeah. on this one. I actually think it's, it's such an opinion topic. Yeah. You know, was, and was David, about- was David negligent in what he did? Yes. That's not an opinion topic. That is, that's a fact, but this one I think yeah. is uh, a lot more down to the individual. And I think about like, the need for safe spaces on the internet and like I'm not a parent now but one day hopefully I will be and I think about like when my kids have phones and the internet like how you you do want them to not be exposed to certain types of content too young and like how do you know what is a safe space and what's mm. not and like if you're letting someone like I want to let my kids be on Twitch but I, that would make me nervous as a parent if I logged on and my home screen is like just that mm. I don't yeah know. I think ultimately at the end of the day, as much as what my personal opinion on if it should or shouldn't be allowed is, I think that if there's one thing I can say more factually, it would be that I do think it would be in the best interests of Twitch as a platform to get it under control. Yeah. There is also there is also the the argument and the discussion that, you know, this is just a phase, people are just going to get bored of it and it won't actually be an issue anymore mm. you know like it's kind of just like a phase the platform's going through but i do think that in the long run in terms of it's both public perception and more importantly perception from advertisers twitch not getting this under control is only going to be a bad thing mm. 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 anyway i think that's it for uh for watch time this week Thank you guys so much for watching or listening. Remember to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Rate and review. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.